Hey, everybody. It is another fun episode of the Surfing Sales Podcast. It's me, your co-host, Richard Harris, along with my good friend, Scott Lease, who is joining us. Uh, we are super excited about Surfing Sales. As always, if you haven't gone to check out the event, you should. Um, you should check out the website, surfingsales.com. May is sold out. We've got spots in November and December, or November uh, set up for us. I'm going to see if I don't mess something up, but there you go, Scott. I already did. Um, okay, so. I, I got excited at the prospect of going to Costa Rica in December as well. So. Yeah, well, maybe we'll make that happen. Um, so, and uh, we want to give obviously a, a big thanks to our sponsors of Scratchpad and Sendoso so much. Uh, we appreciate them so much for what they do to help us spread the word and get good ideas and content out to you as well as their services. So if you are looking to improve uh, without answering my doorbell, which I have no idea who it is, um, then please check out our two sponsors for this month. All right, that was a very long intro, and now I'm going to introduce our guest, uh, Andrew Newcomb, who is a very long-time sales leader, and he's been at Intuit for a very long time. In fact, he did what looks like some I want to talk about is maybe he did a rebound, is that right? You, you started it into it or you were it into it and you left and you came back? No, I've pretty much been here that entire 20 years. I left for about a year as part of a divestiture. So into it ah. sold a, a, a product called QuickBase. And I, of course, went along with the package, but then came back about a year later. Okay. And was that sort of their attempt to roll out a startup, like pull something out and sort of, you know, let it go a little more independent? Yeah, it was basically one of those things. So QuickBase was more of a of an enterprise type of solution. Mm -hmm. And at the at the time it really wasn't fitting into the overall strategy. So they just spun it off. They actually spun off Quicken at the same time, which was more of a consumer product. That was what Intuit got started with was Quicken. Right. But those two were divested at the at the exact same time. Got it. I totally understand. And you've done everything from being a sales manager to being an account executive to now you're just defined as a sales leader. What is your role these days? Yeah, I'm a senior sales leader, so I do carry a quota. I've got a team of 10 uh, that's growing, but I'm also spending a lot of my time uh, helping to, to coach coaches as well. So I spend a lot of time with helping them build rigor into their coaching processes and things like that. So what a little bit more mean? of a senior role. Yeah, what does that mean, build rigor into their coaching process? That's a good... It's a good Buzzword. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just in terms of using systems and tools to better documentation, um, a more efficient approach. I'm, I'm a I'm a one behavior at a time kind of manager or coach, whereas, you know, a lot of coaches are trying to hit very shallow on everything. I, I like to try to find uh, kind of that pivotal behavior that's either driving or not not driving results at any given time and, and an really hunker down. That, right. Like what's an example of you finding that one behavior versus I love what you said about the, the surface level sort of, you know, that piece where I think a lot of us sometimes spend too much time there. Yeah. So for example, you know, I I've spent six months to eight months at, at, at different times on upfront contracts. So from the Sandler methodology, if, if a, if a sales conversation gets kicked off poorly, and, and the salesperson is not in control, is not teeing it up, is not kind of doing the heavy lifting to ensure that the structure of that conversation is productive. Really, the rest of it, it goes to pot. 
you know, you, you're just kind of all over the map. It's not clear what the, the real goal of the call is. And so, yeah, I've spent, I've spent months with an entire team on upfront contract just because I know it's a building block that will make everything else better downstream. Yeah, I, I hear this all the time where people come to me and they say, we need, you know, negotiation closing skills training. And I'm like, yeah, I think you need better qualification and discovery. Yeah. And in order to do that, you got to get to the spot to earn the right, you know, to ask those questions. So I, I'm with you on starting that that value conversation much, much higher. So mm-hmm. it makes total sense. What do you think people get wrong about coaching coaches? Ooh, that's a great question. That is good. I think probably what happens is one of two things. Either they go too light in, in terms of they, they, the, I guess the added responsibility or the bump in title goes to the head and, and you kind of go a little too hands off and, and you don't do quite as much inspection as you might with, you know, an individual contributor or your ego gets the better of you and you just try to dictate like you're, you don't stay true to the processes that worked very effectively for individual contributors. And in my experience, the process works equally effective, whether it's a frontline, you know, individual contributor or or a coach. So I think, I think maybe the pendulum swings in one of those two extreme directions. Do you think the, the propensity for, um, being inconsistent with it is one of the challenges. I think if you ask most people, how often should you be coaching your reps? People would say every single day. But I think if you ask somebody who's coaching other coaches, they don't make time for it every single day. And mm-hmm. It's more of like a once every couple of days or once a week, we have this kind of meeting. Like, do you think that when you're coaching coaches, people are too hands off and the consistency of the coaching is not there. Yeah, I do. I, I do think that's the case. And, and I don't know if it's, uh, you know, certainly you start getting into as well. Am I going to upset this coach if I, if I spend this much time with them and they start to kind of equate that, oh, I must not be very good at coaching. And that's why they're spending every day with me or every other day with me. I do think I do think that's a factor. I think people are maybe a little bit worried about hurting people's feelings. But for me, it's still as long as the objective is clear, as long as you're communicating and, and establishing rapport with that coach, you know, that shouldn't be a problem. You shouldn't let that get in the way of whatever needs to be done to make them a better coach. But let, let's play a little game here in the spirit of potentially hurting people's feelings. You know, that means, that means Richard, by the no, way. No, 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 no. It means me as well. So you don't, you don't know Richard very well, right? And you know me a little bit and you know me a little bit, right? Okay. How do you think Richard likes to be coached? And how do you think I like to be coached? How would you coach us? I wouldn't until I have a conversation with you. Well, we've had conversations before. Come on, play, play the game. Humor me a little bit. So are, you're asking me to decide my approach to coaching you, even though we barely know each other. Yep. Yes. Based on many interactions or observances of me, my personality, who I am, things I do, things I say. Yeah. Hmm. That's not my normal approach. I normally do quite a bit of inventory on what the skill set is so that I make sure I'm spending time 
in the right place. Yeah. Which, um, is which is probably the better way to do it. But now just humor me. Imagine there's a world where you don't have that option to take that long, but you don't have this information. You only have like, you know, a little bit or almost nothing. Well, so you're a pretty assertive guy, kind of aggressive. So I would probably try to come at you and just ask you right up front, what do you want to work on and see what comes out of that? And, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to give it a go and see if, you know, if I cater to your personality and we just jump right in and get after it, we can always course correct. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think I would probably take that approach with you. I barely know Richard uh, in just the time we were warming up when he was getting things set up. Maybe just a little bit more inquiry, a little bit more, where do you think things are going well? Where do you think things are going not so well? Maybe just not quite as assertive as I would with you. What do you hopefully think, that how, did, how, did, how did he do? Did he get it right for both of us? I think he got it right for you like i even i even saw you smiled you were you were glad to hear him yeah. say hey i'm going to ask you what you want yeah. because that's that is also your style of like hey before i just launch into it right um so he 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 nailed that about you yeah, I, think he, I think he nailed mine yeah yeah what do you well let me let's flip it how do you think he did with me and granted he doesn't know me i actually think he's in pretty good i, I think that you are pretty direct as well, but you like a little bit more, a little more finesse, a little more detail, a little more room to, uh, a little more room for like a discussion kind of thing. Talk yeah. it out, a little more talk it out. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I So I have a, another question for you off of this, Andrew. Thanks for playing the game. It was um, fun. I, you know, it actually is a, it was a great question because it is part of being an effective coach, reading people getting into the tiny nuances of a person's personality can really separate mediocre from great. So I actually really enjoyed the question. Yeah. I was uh, challenged, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. There's, so there's one thing you can tell me if you've ever heard this, but I, I've worked with this woman who does some hostage negotiation stuff, but she now uses it for training lawyers and salespeople that it's all in the eyebrows. You should watch someone's eyebrows for body language because you're, you don't, ever control your eyebrows. We've all been taught to sit still, right? There you go. Like, so, um, so I thought that was a, that's something you could walk away with. Wait, but one thing, my eyes right now. what's that? I want to go put some dark sunglasses on or something. Exactly. <laughs> Shave your eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> my eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, but here's, here's what you said before we got into this is like, well, I'd like to dig into their skill set first, right? Which I think we all do, right? Whether it's a rep or a manager. But when you're thinking about coaching a coach and you're looking at managers who manage other people, what are the skill sets you're looking for? They're similar, but sometimes they're different. Well, um, you know, just spitballing off the top of my head, uh, a big one is, are you, are you effectively listening to, are you effectively listening to your folks both in their job and, and when they're in a coaching session with you, or are you waiting to say your next thing? Uh, that's a pretty big one. Um, other things might be, again, it's the documentation piece. So documenting, and, and there's a lot of reasons for documentation, right? One of them would be to, to see the journey and to be able to go back and celebrate when you get to where you want to go, but also with coaching naturally, when things don't go as you intended, 
you have that documentation in, ca in case other processes need to be, you know, entered into like performance management and things like that. And so I've seen that wreck a coach too, where they spend six months and then, you know, like, yeah, Andrew, I don't think this is going to work out, but now you've got to start all over because now you've got to document to make sure you can show that, no, I've put in the time and, and I'm not just saying that here's the proof. So that's another big one for, for coaches is the but documentation Scott, piece. Scott, he has six months, six months to figure it out. With it's just yeah. an arbitrary number. <laughs> I know, but it's a it's a it's a big company into it kind of approach, right? So Scott well, and I are like we would have uh, six days, Richard, by comparison. Dude, I worked at a, I worked at a place once where it's like, I mean, it was high turnover anyway. But if if I told them at three o'clock they need to do something a certain way on the phone, and if I heard it by five o'clock and they didn't, they were gone. Like that was, that was how fast, wow. we that was, but that was an old school newspaper cold call center. So, you know, wild, but, wild west of sales. Yeah. What do you guys think? It, so adult learning is obviously very different. And, and there's also, depending on your company, there can be a heck of a lot of noise going on in the role. What do you guys think is a fair amount of time for adults to learn, especially like moderate to advanced skills, skill sets? God, that's a great question. Skill set. Yeah, are we talking about like as pertains to sales and selling or are you asking me like how long would it take me to learn how to be a carpenter sales so okay. you know just if you think sure. about just making like, sure because it would take me a decade to learn how to do <laughs> anything adult like in real life but i just wanted to confirm we're talking about sales here. So to gotta, totally sales behavior so things like 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 here's here's one that for me take I haven't still haven't figured out how long you should give someone to figure this out but when you're in sales is hearing what the client is not saying you know what I mean so it's easy to say okay they said this so I responded and said this but the the great ones can read between the lines and they they get information out of what's not being said man is that teachable is that do you guys think that's teachable I do um I do I got to so, think about that. But it's, but it's teachable. Um, and I'll explain why I think so. And then you guys can tear it down. But I also don't know how it's documentable, for lack of a better phrase, right? Because we all have our own biases on what we hear. So the, the, the first thing is, if you know your product or service, and you know your pitch, and you know that five common objections of competition, budget, et cetera. Once you have that down, you should then be able to better listen. The challenge is, and I say this all the time, like the value of scripts, where they're micro scripts, whole scripts, is that you don't have to think. And because you don't have to think, you now can look for body language. You now can look for a pause or that eyebrow or that inquisitive piece. Like even when even Andrew, when you said, oh, that's a good question, you know, you, you did the look up to the side while you were thinking about it. And so if you know what you're saying and you've got it down, you can coach to that, right? Um, but I also think you can say, you, have, you can also coach your reps to say, hey, I noticed a slight hesitation. Is there, there's something maybe that I didn't think about? Um, I also think that you know, Scott knows this about me too, is that I'm all about feeling, right? Like I deliver price and the next question immediately is, how does that pricing feel? 
And it's the best example of what you're talking about because they don't know how to not, how to answer that. They pause, right. they think, because pricing is an emotional piece. So I think you can coach to these moments. Um, but I also think too, like Andrew, how big are your, how big are your sales deals on average? I mean, they six figure, seven figure. No, four to five figure. Okay. So they're, they're on the, they're on, on a, you know, sort of SMB mid-market size piece. SMB. Yeah. Part of it also is if you're, if you're teaching it is, um, when you have calls, you have two or three people and everybody knows their role, right? If I'm the person delivering the deck, I can't look for body language. Mm-hmm. I need someone else to do that. Yeah. The other way you can coach to it also is, a, you know, particularly in a virtual world is, you know, you, I could have two people sitting here just listening to this conversation. You wouldn't know it. And afterwards we debrief and we'd mm-hmm. be able to say, what did you hear? What did you hear? And that gives the person who was leading the call a perspective of, oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know that you can say, oh, you know, every, you know, there are certain places you could say every time this comes up, here's what you should notice and say, but yeah. then there, then you just have to sort of exercise the muscle. Yeah. It, it's a fascinating topic. And, and what I've been trying to do lately with my folks is get, get a little bit more out of the X's and O's of salesmen. Like this is discovery. That was a great question. And, and actually saying, you know, like, it, like if we're looking at a chat, sales chat, and the client says something and my bells go off, it's just asking them, what can you possibly glean from that statement? Give me everything you got in your mind. Yeah. That can be effective. But to, to Scott's point, I don't know that I can really pinpoint a time where I've been able to make that second nature to someone. Yeah. I think you is can nurse them along, but. Let me ask where, you, Andrew, where, is it second nature for you? It is. When do you think you acquired that skill? Go all the way back. Well, um, it's an interesting topic. So I've been actually classified as an HSP. It's this thing, highly sensitive person, where you're extremely dialed into people's emotions, where you're convinced that you know how I'm they're HSP, feeling. I'm HSP, but I don't pay attention to anybody else's emotions, just my own. Okay. So I do. I've always done that, even as, even as a kid. And, and it's, and I've just found that it's actually come in really handy in my sales career. So I think it goes way, way back before, before. Scott, sales. who in my family is an HSP, you know. Who in your family is a highly sensitive person? Yeah. Who pays attention to everybody else's emotions? Yeah. It's not you. No. <laughs> <laughs> but who is it? Who is it? It's got to be Kathy. Yes. Yeah. My wife. Like it's her greatest asset. Yeah. She is so good at that for me, which is great. So, so then to your point, how do you teach people to pay more attention or better attention? Yeah. Well, it's also fascinating to think about, is there a, rec- a recruiting tool that can find HSPs? Yes. Because then you've got a real edge, right? Well, it depends what you're recruiting for. Are, are HSPs ideal candidate for account executives or are they an ideal candidate for sales leadership? I think, I think that comes in handy in both. That's my opinion. That's interesting. Where does one go get a test to be an HSP? Is there something online? Is it, is it like, I can tell you right now, you're not. one. I know that. <laughs> you have already failed the test. Okay. 
Well, the science behind it, and, and you know, maybe this is bullshit. I don't know, but they say that about 25% of the population has this genetic um, situation where, if if you were back in the Stone Ages, people like me would be the one who would see the tiger first, and and let the rest of the the village know. And yeah. I, I would just have my radar would be up all the time. I'd be Probably that guy. Scanning everything when you walk down the street. Yeah anticipating the next three things you're going to say. So I'm ready, you know, that kind of thing. I, that's why, I, but and in fairness, Scott is that HSP. I mean, I don't know if you see yourself. That way. Yeah, I might. Be. Are you HSP? I've never had the test, but everything that you're saying makes me think I must be. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I would not have guessed that. No, it's, it's interesting when we call each other for advice, I'm like, Hey Scott, why shouldn't I do this? And he's like, well, you're not seeing this whole perspective. Right. Scott gets to me and he's like, okay, tactically, what happened here? What's going on? And it's, I mean, again, I think it's our part of our balance and why we enjoy working together. I, I, I think I also, Andrew, which is maybe why it's not apparent to you, but I also feel like I shut that door off aggressively sometimes because otherwise it's too much. Yeah. Right. It's like, I can't handle all of the noise and all of the energy or all of the motion. And so I'm just like, no. And so I put up a front that's just like, no, I'm not that way. I have no feelings whatsoever. I even joke about it sometimes on, you know, the podcast or Thursday night sales. And I'm like, oh, I got a cold, dead heart. And you start to nah, see it's bullshit. Yeah. See, you're like, that's bullshit. But that, that's my like defense trigger to be like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about all these feelings and emotions. No, 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 no. Well, that's really good to, to, uh, to an extent because in the book I'm reading about this, this trait, is HSPs get really, really exhausted and really overwhelmed because even when you don't realize it unconsciously, like if you're at a party with 15 people, it's like you're hearing all 15 of the, all, all seven of the conversations that are going on. Yeah. You know, the de pretty, actually pretty good detail of each of those and your brain gets tired. So it, if you can shut that off, that's actually a really, really good a really good skill that maybe I could learn from you because I, I don't do a very good job of cutting but it off. I, I can tell you how I did that. I got really shitty ears and I've had multiple ear surgeries and have bad hearing. And so there's times where I'm like, you know, I take out my hearing aid and I'm like, honey, talking time is over. <laughs> that is happening. So maybe that, maybe that will help me out in that sense. Uh, what, what tactical shift have you had to make in the way that you manage your team? in the last six months, let's say. Okay. So I have a really good answer for this. So they actually brought me over to chat sales in the last six months. And the, the tactical shift that I had to make was these guys were very hellbent on staying in chat. And what I learned Wait, is you mean using chat to sell chat, using chat to sell our solutions. Yeah. So someone comes in through the website, you know, and, hey, I'm on your website. Like imagine Drift know. selling Drift in a chat. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. So what I noticed very quickly, and I, and it took, but it took me a while to think about it, was, you know, you lose all home field advantage in, in chat sales because you don't have tone even. So I went from the phone where I at least had tone and I had pauses and I had hmms. And that's gone and you lose all the social expectations. So someone can string you along and get all the information out of you. They want 60 minutes later and just drop the chat. And so I started comparing it to football, like, okay, 
they totally have home field advantage. They can come in here and do whatever they want, ask whatever they want, make themselves feel good about buying it or not buying it or buying the wrong one, and then bail. And so the shift that I've made is you need to pick up the phone more often than not and, and just view chat as where the leads started. It doesn't have to finish in chat. I don't care if they want to close on Mars at a diner, in a car, at the mall. You go where the money goes, and you go where the conversation is going to be the most effective. And so that, that's been a big – it's actually been a little frustrating, but also really fun to see it what are, validated. What are those transitions, right? Like I call them transition statements, right? I think you're having this great conversation on chat, and you realize there's a lot more that needs to be discussed, but you yeah. know, th this person thinks it's transactional. Right. Like mm -hmm. you think they're buying a pack of gum. Yep. What do you coach your teams for those who are listening to get to say to the customer that's in chat to say, hey, maybe we should schedule a call? Just that. So, you know, hey, hey, Scott, I'm not sure that, that this chat is going to do this conversation justice. And, you know, I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. This typically works better if I pick up the phone. Are you cool with that? And then boom. Yeah. They're, they're, they're usually pretty cool about it. That's great. Do you ever, what happens when someone says, no, I don't have time. Like, like this, I just want to role play this out a little bit, right? Cause everybody's got this scenario. Well, you know, there's different, there's different meanings and intentions behind that statement. Some, some person saying that is just giving you the run around, you know, they're really not serious, but if they're serious, then you say, then you, you make an appointment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well the options are to rush through this now whether we be on the chat or the phone it sounds like you really want to think through this so let's do it justice and let's get time and a date and an agenda together to talk about this properly and their answer to that's going to tell you everything you need to know if, if they're resistant then they probably weren't serious something's gone sideways yeah if they, they agree you've got a really good opportunity there usually yeah a really strong opportunity when how big is your team that handles chat? Because I, I mean, you guys are into it. So I assume there's people on your side. How many chats are there active? Right. How many active chat leads are there at once? That's what I'm thinking. Two. Uh, Two? And it's tough. It's tough. Um, wow. because it's tough because the volume is a lot for two people to handle. I, I, what I would say is if you're an excellent multitasker, it's probably okay. But I've tried it and it's not for me. Again, HSP, I want to be dialed into the one person in front of me, and, and I'm a bird in the hand kind of guy. So I just got overwhelmed easily doing it myself. I feel like I'm half-assing. Like, uh, I'm sort of picturing somebody who's playing chess across like five chess boards at once, yeah. five different opponents. You think yeah. you could tell the five people simultaneously at once and carry all those conversations in your head, Richard? No. No, you know me, dude. I don't believe in multitasking. I don't think it's possible. So, um, well, and that supposedly is a is a male female thing. I don't know if that's been scientifically proven, but uh, you know, in terms of who handles multitasking better. In my family, I'll agree with that statement. You know, in in the Me Too world, I don't know that I will. Um, so well, that's why I said science. I, I'm all, I'll always go with science, but. How do you, so how do you, so let's talk about like, how, are those two people just literally sitting at the computer all day in chat conversations and sales mm -hmm. conversations? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot 
compared to an inside rep where they get a chance to breathe between phone calls and they get to, you know, I know. sit in there. So. I know it's, it's a unique thing. It's, it's, it, it makes my skin crawl. I've got to get up and get on the phone. You know, like I, I just feel like that's where I prevail or more increasingly here, zoom uh, selling over okay. zoom is game changing. Well, I think, you know, it speaks to like knowing your strengths, right? Yeah. You, you Did you yourself aware enough to know that that role would be tough for you, but other people might enjoy that kind of thing. There's other people who feel really comfortable just like typing away. Selling, yeah, they do. As opposed to being on the phone, right? Yeah. They might see it as a lot less confrontational or something like that. Yeah. Or the rejection doesn't hurt as much because it's not even really a human. I can disconnect. I'm just like messaging some god knows where it could be a bot for all i know i don't know all the that above. doesn't have to be an msp that's what he's saying he doesn't have to worry <laughs> about being msp hsp hsp, HSP. oh sorry sorry so just out of curiosity andrew you know you, you've had a long tenure at into it you've been there for eight or nine years 20 20 years oh i only looked at the first half oh. of your linkedin you only got through his yeah recently. what what is that like like i mean do you ever sit back and go, man, nobody does this anymore? Do you oh, ever, yeah. you know, what makes you want to stay so long as such a, I mean, it's a great company. Like there's, there's no, I'm not trying to bash on it. I just, it's unusual to find someone like you who's a lifer. Well, he'll be the CEO soon because everybody else is going to disappear. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, by attrition, I'll be the CEO. <laughs> um, <laughs> by no, retirement. To the top. He's going to survive his way to the top. Right. <laughs> so, so this is going to be cheesy and y'all are going to pr probably doubt my sincerity, but the, the cause truly means something to me. So uh, it's, it's very ironic. It's a big corporation and yet we empower small businesses in a, in a true and genuine way. Uh, you know, we were all over the TV over the weekend with, with marketing and advertisement towards small business owners. And so I just really get a charge out of helping small businesses. Uh, many of them are so focused on their their innovation or their invention or or what they provide that the things that we offer really fall by the wayside. And as you guys know, the people that make it beyond the five year mark in small business are the ones who who dot all the the i's and cross all the t's when it comes to managing their finances. There's still an alarming number of people who think that, oh, I have a bunch of money in the bank, so I'm successful. Uh, but they don't look at the P and L. And so, you know, just having an opportunity to open people's eyes to that is really a fun, it's a really fun thing to do. Scott, do you look at a P and L for your business? You know, the answer to that. Why you got to put me on the spot? <laughs> I have, don't somebody, either. I, have no. somebody who, I have somebody who looks at that. Uh, first of all, I don't have any losses. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> So what made you, how long have you been in leadership versus an individual contributor? Well, I mean, I started my leadership career back in 08 and I've, okay. I've, I've done a little bit of bouncing around. I've done some IC roles. Uh, I'm a, I'm a friend of, of Dewan Brown's and I know he's been on the show before. Oh, yeah. 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 I love Dewan. And uh, similar to him, I, I've, I'll occasionally get an itch to just go back and, and serve on the front lines and, and also into it as a pretty broad array of, of solutions. And so I've wanted to, you know, dip my toe into, into selling to different groups of folks. So that, that's his, um, that's yeah, his but, pitch for being the CEO, Scott, right there. That's right. That's, yeah. that, so, and, that, and the, that and the mission. 
that and the mission. So, so what about you, what, what about management and leadership attracts you to it, right? Because we know not all reps are great managers or leaders, even if they want to be, and hopefully they learn that and move on. But what about it attracts you? I'm a, I'm a people helper, man. I, I, I get, a, I get a lot of satisfaction out of being able to sit down and, and, and literally point to a piece of paper and say that, you know, together we did this, um, working together. We, we can clearly state with no hesitation that these results came as a result of, of my leadership and your execution on that. I also think that I have a lot of the, the intangibles that some leaders may not have, um, I do like to personally call and, and check on my folks at a, on a personal level. Uh, I take that sort of part of the job very seriously. Um, and I also enjoy the business aspect of it as well. You know, the organization, the strategy, and I've said documentation a few times. I just enjoy all the variety of things that you have to get done correctly to be a good leader. It's kind of like a game, like a puzzle almost. I'm terrible at all those things, and yet I've somehow established myself as a leader at certain levels. So let me ask you this. Scott knows this. He, I don't have any patience for shit. Um, I'm, dying. I'm dying laughing. Um, so let's say one of your reps comes to you, right? And they say, hey, Andrew, you know, you've been doing this a while. You know, um, you're, I already can tell that you're the kind of leader that your reps would approach you and say, if I want to get into leadership, what should I do? What are the things you tell them that isn't spoken about in leadership, right? Like, hey, before you, you know, as you think about moving into leadership, here are the cool things, but here's the other stuff nobody has probably ever told you. That's the cruddy part of leadership. Well, I think, I think it's normal for, for most people who aspire to be leaders to think of the, the sexy stuff, the exciting stuff. Um, and, and usually it involves you know, making sure they understand their impact, what their impact is going to be on real human beings, whether it's positive or negative. I'll, I'll often share stories about, you know, situations I've had with people uh, as a leader. You know, also we're in an environment where you can have everything buttoned up and, and all of a sudden, you know, you're getting hit with something out of the blue and you've got to have the the calmness and the steadiness to get through those storms. I'm not going to go into great detail about that sort of stuff, but it's the controversial stuff that makes the news, you know, you know, making sure you're, you're buttoned up depending on what company you work for, but making sure you're buttoned up and people can be a little too casual as leaders. And it only takes one little slip up in the wrong setting, you know, to destroy you. That's just reality of it. Richard's favorite conversations, yes. HR, HR conversations. I was about to say, tell me about that slip up. But we're when are we going to bring an time. HR person onto the podcast, Richard? Yes. That, would be, that would be a good show. That We've would be a good show. But the thing had. of it is, it's, it's, it's totally unpredictable anymore. Like, you, don't know, you don't know what's going to upset people. And so if you're going to get into leadership. I just assume that everything is upsetting to everyone. It's getting to be that, but, but I, I can tell you that I've had instances where I've been completely floored that uh, just really that I was thinking it was this other thing, but it's that. Um, so I think that's just becoming more and more of a reality that people have to think about. Definitely, cha definitely a challenge for anybody in leadership role or a position of any kind with some visibility to, uh, 
to deal with. You know, you get your you're towing the line and you're watching what you say, but you're trying to be authentic. Yep. Yeah. It is it is a minefield. It really is. Tread, tread cautiously is uh is really good advice. So we're uh moving towards the end of the show here. I don't know how we've spent forty five minutes on the on the podcast with you already, but moving towards the end of the show, we want to thank our sponsor Scratchpad as well as Sendoso once again for helping us out get this uh, show produced and out there for everybody to enjoy. Andrew, we always wrap up the show by saying, how could we be helpful to you? What question do you have for us? Um, well, you guys, everything you guys do is helpful. I, I was curious, uh, just on a, fun, on a fun note, what you guys wanted to be when you were kids. Oh, I love this question. Richard, you I, go first. Go first, Richard. I, Scott, before I say it, see if you can guess what it was. I don't know if you've ever told, told you this story. I definitely don't know. I definitely do not know your answer, but I want to say it's like a fireman or something like that. That's what uh, I was thinking. No, no. I wanted to be a race car driver. Oh, um, okay. I can see that actually. Right? Now. So, you know, you grow up in Macon, Georgia, right? You're, you're exposed to, you know, it was it was the Winston cup back in the day, right before, you know, when cigarettes were allowed to be promoted. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And I never told my dad or my mom about it. Um, they, they would always be like, why are you watching racing? Like, you know, it's just a big circle. It's a big left turn. Circle. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just like, I don't know. I just think it's cool. And um, they never probed and I never said anything. And, uh, and one day my dad said, he asked me like, what did you ever want to be when you were in? I was like, I used to want to be a race car driver. He's like, why didn't you tell me that? I didn't, I'd have taken you to races and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know. I, I think you, I thought you would have looked down on me. I mean, back in that age in the seventies and eighties, it was sort of a considered this redneck thing, right? It wasn't quite so high end. Right. And, right. Uh, and so I was just, that was sort of my thought. So. Have we reached the stage where NASCAR is no longer redneck? Yes, Absolutely. This is news to me. Judge away. <laughs> the globe. This is news to me. I, I, all I wanted to be was an athlete. I had no idea what that meant, though. Was a what? <laughs> an athlete. I didn't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know what sport. I didn't have. I didn't have any grand designs. I was never like career oriented. I was like, I want to. I want to be a professional athlete. And uh, that's probably why it, you know didn't really work out because I, <laughs> I never focused on one thing enough to put in the put in the work but that was that was it and are you naturally athletic migrated a little bit towards like okay well i can coach i can coach now yeah. what i think i want to do my new plan richard which i should share this with you is sometime in the next few years i'm gonna throw in the towel on this work thing i'm gonna try to go get a, a high school soccer coaching job scott i've been telling you to do this for 10 years yeah well i don't have the means to do it you know how much high school coaches get paid they get paid nothing. I know. I know. It's typical. You said earlier you don't have any losses. It sounds like to me the time is right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to get a lot of gains to survive. You know, you're going you're gonna to do that. But I think, I think that would be a fun uh, way to, you know, stay competitive and be in, in sport. I can see you doing that. I can easily see you doing that. Coaching. Are you naturally athletic, Scott? I know you surf. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I got He I'm is. I, you know. Pretty much every sport we can try to go play. And I'll, I will, I'll tell you a story that he's naturally left-handed. He came to visit once. We went to play golf, didn't have a set of left-handed clubs, and he played right-handed, and he held his own. 
Nice. Right. Like he, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't blow up and shoot a 140 or anything like that, but he was right around the hundred mark, which for me is good on any day. And, you know, as someone who's playing the opposite hand, I think is outstanding. So uh, he does have this natural body movement mindset. I wanted um, to be a pro wrestler, but as it would, as fate would have it, genetics did not really agree with that. I was, that was my other one too. Like I still yeah. follow. We Andrew, we should start talking like Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes one day. <laughs> well, you can learn. You know, I've applied wrestling to sales a lot in my career. Like, there's a lot of parallels. Oh, uh, I need to have that I need conversation. To see the kind with of content from the two of you for the next few days. Yes, Race car driving and pro wrestling. Uh, sales and leadership content. I've actually never put those two together other than, I mean, I can see some of it from the leadership side and the process and practice, and I can get some of that, but I, we should jump on another call someday for 20 minutes and record it just to see what comes out of it. That'd be pure gold. Pure gold. We appreciate you spending some time with us this afternoon, Andrew. It's a lot of fun. Thank you guys. Thanks, man. It's been amazing. Great to get to know you. Same.